it's Tuesday, October 6th. Tuesday. 2020. <laughs> this is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. Waivers! Tuesday, a day that it usually isn't. You're correct about that. All right, it is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast, and it is Tuesday night, everybody. So, when we take a look at Tuesday night, uh, we used to do the show on Tuesday nights. We used to talk about waivers. We have a Tuesday night show this week. We're going to talk about waivers this week. I figure that it's a good idea to let people know that, hey, it's Tuesday night. If you're listening live, you can use this information to decide uh, which players you want to pick up. If you're listening after Tuesday and your waivers have already gone through, you can use this information to decide whether or not you're going to start these players. So, uh, as always, I am Jason Evans, joined by David Biggs. Dave, great to see you here tonight uh, at, at the studio in your basement. Nice of you to join us. Uh, what is it that you're drinking right now? Uh, well, Jason, it looks like I currently have a Revelry Imperial Red Ale. So, cheers to that. Two brothers in Two Warrenville, brothers. Illinois. Excellent. As we are also in uh, the Chicagoland area, right? Okay. And what do you got over there? I've got, from Wild Onion Brewery, Brewery the Stay Puffed Brown Ale infused with marshmallow. It's quite good. I just had my first sip of it. I, I like these. Uh, you know, it's not quite as heavy as a stout. So that's an excellent way to approach these like super flavorful beers that you're not going to drink a lot of. Stay puffed, indeed. So I have like half of one of these, and then <laughs> in a little while we're going to crack open this um, fantastically awesome label from. It's called Double Beezer with a B from OIB. I don't know that uh, Old Irving Brewing uh, is this. Are they? I wonder. So they're on Montrose in Chicago. I wonder if that's in the uh, like brewery triangle up in Ravenswood, hmm. where they have uh, Half Acre and I forget some of the other ones that we went to, but uh, it's a great little area full of breweries. Well, we talked about doing these shows on location uh, at some point, although a couple of years ago would have been a much better time than it is currently in this climate. So uh, maybe maybe in a couple of years from now we can we can do that again. Yeah, but at it, best we're going to do it on location from your studio. One one of our. Uh, <laughs> One of our houses, yeah. Exactly. Um, But what's going on for tonight's show? Can you tell the people out there what what we have to offer? So tonight uh, we will be taking a peek back at last week, what we talked about. We were talking about player trends last week, players trending up, players trending down. We're just going to check in and see how we did on that. And then we will talk about waiver pickups for the week. That will pick up the bulk of the show. Towards the end of the show, Dave is going to touch in on some of the Fantasy Fools gold that he's been giving you uh, almost every week for the entire season. And then at the very end of the show, we're going to give you the players that you need to cut. So, diving right in. Last week, we did talk about players trending up, trending down. I covered the players trending up, and perhaps that's an easier thing to do because, you know, when, when it's good, it's great. And when they look good, it makes you look good. So I had James Robinson last week. He had 107 yards from scrimmage, no touchdowns, but I think he'll be fine. He had 21 total touches. Are you at all worried about James Robinson going forward, Dave? 
Um, not really, but it, it, what matters is, um, is the Jaguars themselves and their football team. And if they're able to keep it together, do we trust in Gardner Minshew, which is like a weekly, uh, a hero or folly situation with Minshew. And, uh, I think that regardless of what happens there, he's clearly the guy they're going to continue to depend on in the backfield. And isn't that really what matters the most for fantasy, uh, for fantasy purposes? I agree. So yeah, I, I think he's going to be good no matter what. But if there are major issues with Jacksonville, which there still could be, it's not uh, it's not a hundred percent fact that Minshew is going to carry out through the end of this football season, for example. Sure, I mean you know we're all touched with a little bit of Minshew mania. Some of us more than others. I just I don't know if I've been affected by the. Minshew we'll see mania. what happens. Uh, <laughs> Cherick McKinnon last week nineteen point two points continues his upward trend. Seven receptions was very nice. He scored another touchdown. As long as the main guys are out for the 49ers, I don't see McKinnon stopping. Justin Jefferson, a guy that you are having a ball with in the Dynasty League, 12.3, went over 100 yards again, four catches on five targets, A-plus matchup this week in Seattle. Justin Jefferson is remaining in your starting lineup, I hope. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and that also depends on other variables. But uh, I think in general that Justin Jefferson right now is performing out of the box. Well, as based a- on your record, I doubt you have like three studs at wide receiver. Based on my record, yes. Okay, <laughs> I think I'm two and two there. I'm not like uh, oh, are you in the deep uh, mud okay. or anything? This guy, he's trying to he's trying to push I'm me. I'm trying down. to bring him down with to, to my level. No, no, to to, to your, the one and threes. To your point, a, a a great dynasty prospect who's excelling over what you thought he could do right at this point. So he is on my lineup probably as a wr three. I just don't know. I can't recall because I have so many leagues where I currently have. Well, him I've set. got it up. So if we just look at a sample here. Uh, along with Jefferson, you've got Fuller, Deontay Johnson, and Allen Robinson. Very good on you for already setting your lineup for next week. Well, I do that like you know Monday Monday night. <laughs> on the bench, you've got Michael Gallup, who I like, but uh, you know isn't necessarily a start. Russell Gage, who had a really rough week this week. Crowder, Watkins, Chris Godwin, he'll be out for another week. Mike Williams, he's out. AJ Brown is out. You've got a hell of a wide receiver group on this team, Dave. Yeah, but a lot of them aren't playing right now. <laughs> But I think Allen Robinson. Justin Jefferson. I think Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson, and uh, Allen uh, uh, Justin Jefferson is what I have currently. So those guys will probably stick. Fair enough. That sounds like a plan. Yeah, I do love them. I love them. Why not? Uh, and and if you're in a redraft league, uh, it's a little bit less of a love because rookies are so much more variable. I would say. Right. But but uh, from what he's doing on that team, and I know you're going to talk about Kirk Cousins a little bit later too. Uh, kind of coming out of his shell, maybe. Then we we have a lot going on in in Minnesota. He's blossoming a bit. He's bl- spoilers. <laughs> Keenan Allen is the last trending up player. He had ten point two points, twelve more targets. Um, this week he was more of a possession receiver because he only had sixty two yards on eight catches. So that's a a low average. However, clearly he's Herbert's favorite. As I said last week, don't worry about starting Allen. He's uh, a stud, and as we've said for years and years, start your studs. So the trending down guys that Dave wanted to point out, whether to uh, temper your expectations or to say don't worry about them, Lamar Jackson put up 26 points last week, three total touchdowns, had the longest run of his career. So I think he's going to be fine. Unfortunately for the people who drafted Lamar Jackson, uh, I assume as the first quarterback off the board, he is not putting up the numbers that Josh Allen, Russ Wilson, Dak Prescott are putting up. 
I mean, the, the top not even close. five or six or seven quarterbacks. And what we talked about last week was, well, Washington against Washington was a really good opportunity for, I think, uh, Lamar Jackson to get his footing back. And a lot of those points came from that long run, of course. Uh, sure, that's like 11 points and a 50-yard touchdown. Otherwise, it would have been... Which I a, assume it was a touchdown. It would have been a much uh, much less uh, reasonable showing for Jackson. But still, and I think you said this earlier, it doesn't really bode well for the Ravens across the season that he's not putting up 30-point games. You drafted him in rounds one or two or three if you were lucky, and he is not putting up points uh, specific to that draft spot. If you drafted him in round three, he's probably not killing you. But if you drafted him in round one or two, that means that that's a top end running back or wide receiver that you don't have. Right. So also to go along with Lamar Jackson was Marquise Brown. He bounced back this week with 10.6 points, 86 total yards. He had eight targets. That's the most of the season. However, um, he needs to improve his catch rate this season. uh, He is at 61%, which is not, uh, I mean, he, he is kind of a downfield guy, but it's less than it was last year, and last year was a rookie year. You need to improve from your rookie year if you're going to be a staple of the offense. Yeah, I was just looking into where the ADP was for uh, Marquise Brown. I think we talked about this uh, last week, and it looks like he overall was uh, an eighth-round ADP. And if his best game was 10 points, then he is not doing well for you. So that was his best, uh, his most targets. I don't know if that was his best game. I think he had like eight, five, and three points. He had 101 yards in game one. Okay. And five catches. So well, that would have been his best fantasy game, you know, but none of them have uh, made you want to start him on a weekly basis. Point is, uh, I think the matchup has given them a little bit of life and juice, but they're going right back to tough opponents uh, for the next couple of games. Yep. So it's a guy <laughs> with uh, the opposite of that easy opponents coming up, Kenyon Drake. He did only have three and a half fantasy points, only 35 yards on 13 attempts, no targets in the passing game, did not break the trend as it was predicted. Um, So I think he can do better against the Jets. And then the following week, he plays the Cowboys. They just gave up 300 yards on the ground. So do you think that Kenyon Drake could be a buy low target? Because he's going to play well. Sorry, he has great matchups the next two weeks. I'm very conflicted on this, and we could have an entire show about Kenyon Drake. I just don't think you'd want to do it. No, I don't want to do that show. But but look, it's very interesting. I saw on Reddit there's a, a community. I was going to say great community, but I don't agree with that. It's just a community called Our uh, Fantasy Football. Uh, mostly it's not great, but there are some really good. There aren't many that are great. <laughs> there, let's fair be point. Honest. There, but there are some some good people putting content into that subreddit. Uh, and one of the people I just saw, and I wish that I I had his information and a link so I could send it to everybody. I can look it up afterwards. But he had compared Kenyon Drake to uh, to Chase Edmonds to David Johnson and those stats uh, in all sorts of different categories. And what we find is that for whatever reason, this particular year, they are not targeting Kenyon Drake in the passing game, and they're trying to uh, to run between tackles in a way that Kenyon Drake has never been good at. They're not doing the things that they did at the end of last year that made him so successful. They're not uh, giving him the ball in space. They're giving it to Edmonds instead of Drake in certain circumstances. This is one of those things where uh, fantasy football team managers look at uh, their lineup and they look at their players and they say, like, did Kenyon Drake, um, did he do something to, uh, you know, his wife? What what happened? What Kenyon Drake is <laughs> needs is like the Chris Carson blackmail material. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do agree 100% that he could come back. But at this point, I have Kenyon Drake in a lineup, for example. I'm not going to play him 
until I'm not going to dump him, but I'm not going to play him until he shines some kind of light on you this. You don't need to start him against the Jets? I'm not going to start him at all until the guy scores 8, 9, 10 points. Okay. Uh, one more. Um, so uh, just a heads up to everybody who's listening live. Get your shot glasses ready. That's right. That's right. So we got one more trending down player. It was Robbie Anderson. But he's fine. Let's be honest. He started out from a very high mountain and sort of trended back to the pack. But last week he put up another 13.9 points. I think that he'll be just fine this year. His 11 targets last week was the most. Eight receptions was the second most. He just needs to find the end zone to be putting up the gaudy numbers that we know that he can sometimes do. But what we were seeing was the uh, the trend also of, of Robbie Anderson and Teddy Bridgewater getting to know each other, taking walks on the beach, uh, sharing their interests, Okay. You know, those kinds of things. And I think we've, we've seen that that Are they chemi- in a book club together? Yeah, that chemistry works. And now they don't mind being together for long periods of time and discussing books that they've recently read. Fantastic. And that, as we all know, translates into 67-yard touchdowns for Robbie Anderson. All right. Okay, so uh, that's it for the trending players. We're going to get to the waivers in just a moment. But first, we want to uh, salute uh, f- uh, occasional Drink 5 contributor Vince Foss. It's his <laughs> birthday tonight. Cheers to Vince. We will drink to him. OC Vince Foss. Cheers. I'm scared of this cheersing the shot glass over the equipment thing. but I, You know what? It only <laughs> went awry once, and it was over my laptop. Cheers to everybody watching Cheers. out there. So Vince, uh, being the birthday boy that he is this evening, asks us uh, what our thoughts on, on Robert Tanyan and we're going to go into that because I assume he's one of the pickups on your waiver wire list. Robert Tanyan is definitely one of the pickups on the waiver wire so, list this so, week. So what if we jump to that, if you don't mind, and just uh, go to tight ends first? Is that, would that be okay? Are we going to go backwards? Yeah, let's go oh, backwards. Oh, this is fun. Let's move backwards. Okay, so we'll start with <laughs> tight ends first. Robert Tanyan of the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Football Packers. He kind of sounds like a Game of Thrones sort of guy, like the, the Tanyan. He's from the North. Yeah, exactly. He is 31% owned in Flea Flicker leagues. So this year, uh, we are switching our base of reference from Yahoo to Flea Flicker. If you don't use Flea Flicker, if you're unfamiliar with it, I highly recommend it as a site to host your fantasy football league. Um, That being said, we're going to go with that. We're also going with the half-point PPR scoring this year. Uh, Anyways, Tanyan is 31% owned in Flea Flicker leagues. His FAAB value uh, for suggested value this week for waiver claims is... I say 10%, but as I bring up in a minute, you may need to pay a lot more depending on your league situation. So he's going to be on bye in week five. You're not going to get anything out of him next week. So if you need someone for this week, he's not a great um, pickup. However, it looks like he's one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite targets. He had three. He has a touchdown in all three games this year. He had three touchdowns last week along with six receptions, 98 yards. It was an amazing game uh, from Tanyan that made me lose – a fantasy game in a different league. So I can be a little bit salty about that, I suppose. Sure. Um, I, I remember watching a play last night where the Falcons secondary literally tackled Tanyan while he was running his route, like 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. They just tackle him. He gets up and keeps running the end zone. And then Aaron Rodgers throws it to him and he scores a touchdown. Like well, they, they just could not do anything to stop what Aaron Rodgers was doing last night. It was awesome, actually. I, I was speaking to a coworker earlier today who uh, has spent a lot of time in Wisconsin, big fan of the Packers, and he mentioned that uh, the thing that stuck out to me from our conversation 
was that he was just saying that Rodgers was having such a good time doing it. And I was watching the whole game, and he just had a grin on his face the yeah. whole time. There was one time when he kind of fell. Uh, he got, like, tackled a little bit weirdly on his knee. And it, yeah. I, and that was – Like he stubbed his toe or it, something. It's always scary for Packers fans or fantasy owners of, of Rodgers whenever something or, like that Or happens. any Green Bay player, really. Like, <laughs> if, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, that whole team goes down. No! You don't need that. Yeah, but um, but he said, like, he's just having such a good time, and he really was. And I think the Packers, uh, we never thought that this would happen. Looking at last year into this year, we thought that Rodgers would kind of struggle on the uh, the edge of, of QB1 because status. Because of the lack of wide receivers yeah. or just getting older or maybe not gelling. But with if, apparently it doesn't matter, and he's just a no, really good quarterback. No, the Packers are the best team in the NFC <laughs> through four weeks. Um I still would put them ahead of the Seahawks. The Seahawks have played well, but they've played several close games. The Packers games don't even feel that close. They're just dominating everyone they play. And it's because Aaron Rodgers does whatever he wants on the field. Yeah. With no fans in the stadium, Aaron Rodgers literally yelled hard count. Yeah, how awesome is that? And got Atlanta to jump off sides. He, he literally it was awesome. He tells them what's going on and they fall for it because, oh my goodness. So I, there's not much this guy can't do. Um, He's I, I know that there are probably people outside egging my car because we are in Bears territory here. <laughs> but what can I say? I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. So, back to Robert Tanyan. He's going to be one of the hottest waiver pickups this week. So, he's not going to play next week. That may mean that a few people, uh, it slips under their radar. But if you're in a league with big budgets, and those big budgets need tight ends, then you're going to need to probably double that FAAB to like at least 20% to have a shot at landing him. If you really need him, I would suggest going even higher. But if you've already got a tight end and you just want to shore it up or have a flex guy, 20% is reasonable in my opinion. So when the Packers return, even when Devontae Adams is back, I expect Tanyan to be a relevant tight end one for the rest of the season. These are these are rough things to predict going forward because uh, because of the fact, like you said about Adams. But I will say this: with Marquise Valdez Scantling not really performing to a high level, even though he was he was finally here in the last two weeks, thrust into the spotlight where he should, I feel, have really stepped up. It's clear to me that Rodgers cannot depend on him, and so he's going to move in other directions. So I agree with you that if there's no Lazard, it's going to be Tanyan. It's going to be Tanyan and Adams for the rest of the season. Okay. Now, the only one thing that I want to bring up is that he had both hamstring and ankle injuries over the past couple weeks. So I'm not sure that this guy, Tanyan, has r- really prepared for this kind of a, of, a, of a career in receiving. Sure, it's going to be... Well, let, let's see what happens. But we do know he's a he's a good friend of George Kittle's. So George Kittle will slap the sense into him and say, "I don't care if you're injured. Get out there and catch touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers, man." Right? Like George Kittle's be like, "I have to play with Nick freaking Mullins That's right. and Bethard. You like, have Rodgers. At best, I get Garoppolo." <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, Nelson in the chat room wants to know about. Danny Amendola or Darnell Mooney for week six? That seems like slim pickings, man. That's a, yeah, that's a, I, I have to say we've never got a question like that before. For week six? Week six schedule. Uh, wow. Give me a reminder, who the hell is Darnell Mooney? Mooney's a Bears receiver. He's the one that. Uh, okay, don't that, start him, just start Danny Amendola. He's, he's the one that. He's the one that Foles has been targeting quite a lot, actually, more than you would think, uh, uh, for, for whatever reason. Oh, I know the reason. So the Bears play the Rams on Sunday night football that week. Monday night football that week. And 
the Rams have a good secondary because it's led by Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, but Jalen Ramsey's not going to be covering Darnell well, Mooney. Yeah, but the Lions and Danny Amendola are going to play the Falcons. The The game in which we will decide the unstoppable force versus the immovable object when it comes to giving up leads in football games. Well, let's just – the reason why he brings up the question at all, but week six is a little rough right now, but Mooney had nine targets last week, five targets the week before that. Uh, he's had a touchdown this season. He's performed better overall than Amendola has, definitely. And Anthony Miller, it looks like he's doing nothing out there. He's a guy that's actually, uh, spoiler alert, on the cut list. Ooh. And so, it's more of a teaser, I'd say. <laughs> And so I, I kind of like Mooney here. I'm going to be honest. I think that, that Mooney is emerging as a target that is someone who's shifty and that bears offense. Uh, and they don't have a whole lot of wide receivers beyond uh, Miller and Robinson. So he's moving up as that third guy. So that's who I, I would say because Amendola has just not been impressive at all. And he's on a team where they have multiple targets uh, above him that, that are bigger uh, and um, – and more prevalent in the offense. Yeah, I, I would say wait, and obviously you don't have to make the decision now, but... Yeah, wait see, wait, wait until next week. <laughs> see what happens with the Bears' offense. If they put up another three points, you may consider going with Amendola, but uh, based on that, I, I would agree with you that, you know, you would want to go with the Bears player against the Rams rather than the incredible suck fest that will be the Lions versus the Falcons. Yeah, and at least it's a nationally televised game. Uh, uh, it'll be uh, the Rams versus the Bears, right? Yeah, Monday night. So everyone kind of steps up a little bit. two national games in a row. Yeah. We play on Thursday night this week. Uh, we got uh, Revise in the chat room says, should I sell high on Tanya and I have Higby? And I say yes, 100%, yes, 100%, yes. If you, if, it, it depends on how high you can sell. No, if a guy scores three touchdowns, he's never doing that again in the history of his career. And if you could sell him for uh, like a wide receiver or running back, you could play the rest of the year, and you have Higby, yes. That's what I'm saying. It depends on how high you sell. I guess don't don't trade him for a random quarterback. Uh, right, right. Trade him for someone who is better than someone you're already starting at running back or wide receiver. Yeah, like it, it's difficult to tell you the the absolute value. Of course, it depends on uh, on where your league is and how how your scoring system works, etc. But in general, I would say if you can get like a wide receiver two or running back two for for Tanyan, yes, is what I would say. Great. So, uh, back to the waiver pickups. We got Dalton Schultz on Dallas, who you guys weren't listening the last two weeks when I told you about him. He's still only 49% owned. His FAAB bid, I recommend 8%. So, he found the end zone for the second time this season. He is currently the tight end eight after four games this year. Prescott is throwing the ball so effing much, more than anybody else in the league. There will be plenty of work for Schultz. He already has 28 targets this season. And there's not a lot of competition for his spot on the Cowboys' depth chart. So as long as Dak keeps throwing the ball, which I expect he will because their defense is crap, then Schultz is going to be in the tight end one conversation just based on the volume he gets alone. We talk about volume a lot for running backs and wide receivers. This is a volume-based quarterback or tight end right here where he's going to be valuable only if only because of that. Yeah, I mean, he can turn a few – he can score once in a while. He can get some yardage. But when he goes five for 70 every week and may score a touchdown, that's startable. That's tight end one material. Uh, all right, back up to wide receivers. First wide receiver on my list is Cole Beasley of Buffalo. He is 44% owned. I recommend an 8% bid on him. 
So he's been very fantasy relevant this season because Josh Allen is awesome. So it's a really strong passing offense. And in offenses like that, there is room for three wide receivers to thrive. Not just be good, but thrive. This is one of those offenses this year. Beasley had 20 targets through the first three games. Last week, he got banged up and didn't play a bunch of the second half. He did come back towards the end of the game, but the injury came on an amazing leaping touchdown uh, where he came down kind of awkwardly, but he held on to the ball. Beasley looks like a guy who has finally found a quarterback that he wants to play really hard for. You know, he had the um, whatever the Cowboys were throwing out there between Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. And um, he had, I forget where else he was, whatever they were doing in Buffalo before Josh Allen. So there was never a lot to be inspired by, but Josh Allen is an inspirational quarterback this year. Well, I, I mean, I, I would say that Beasley's probably only going to get your 70, 75 targets over the course of the year, but he's a flex play. And if he's on the wire, needs to be owned. There's yeah. someone on your team who is worse. Yes, Absolutely. So whether, whether, whether or not you start them, like you need depth, you know, you need depth all the time. That's one of the things that, that I, I try to hammer in over and over. Uh, and I was just talking about rankings this uh, uh, earlier today on Twitter. And the most important thing is it, you might have a good starting lineup, but a lot of those teams that are 3-0 and right now, 4-0 and after this week, uh, are not looking at their depth. They're like, I'm good. And you know what? As soon as two of those guys get injured or they start trending down, they have nobody, and those teams are going to drop down in the rankings, and suddenly that 4-0 team is going to be shitty. You're right. That's how 4-0-3 teams become 4-0-3. Always work on the depth. Bring up Cole Beasley. Put him on your squad. Right. I totally agree. So um, just a real-world check here. The Bills play the Titans next week. They're scheduled to. The Titans currently have had two – days with zero COVID positives, which means that they need the two full days. Then they can open up the facility. Assuming that there's no complications come the morning, then the Titans will open the facility tomorrow. Assuming there's no more positive tests, then for sure they're going to play the game on Sunday. So you can keep an eye on that. I love Beasley as a guy you put on your roster. You throw him in when there's an injury ahead of you, him. You throw him in when there's a bye week replacement needed. You keep him around because he's the third guy on this roster. If either Diggs or Brown goes down, Beasley's going to get more work. Yeah. So keep him around. LaVisca Chenault on Jacksonville. We've been talking about him uh, a couple times this season already. He is 47% owned. I recommend a 5% bid on him or so. Uh, not as much as Beasley. So he's a rookie. He's going to have growing pains like all rookies have. The Jaguars do want to get the ball in his hand, though. He has had at least five touches in every game this season, including a rushing attempt, at least one in every single game this season. So he's one of those uh, gadgety players, players that can score from anywhere on the field, that they just want to put the ball in his hand and see what he can do. Last week, he put up a season high of 91 yards from scrimmage. It was like a rush and a lot of receiving yards. Uh, the bigger worry is Minshew. We spoke about Minshew a little bit earlier. We don't need to get into him again. So really what happened is they surprised everyone by beating the Colts in week one. And it turns out the Colts defense is actually really good. So we don't know why they beat them. It was probably just one of those week one flukes. And uh, Jacksonville is probably actually the bad team that everybody thought they were. So this week they have to play Houston. Houston is fired up because finally Houston fired Bill O'Brien. It was definitely an awkward conversation between him and the GM when it came to firing him, I'm sure. <laughs> good job, Houston. Yes, very good job. Nice work. 
So right as I think Bill O'Brien stated after the game on Sunday that I'm going to be taking over play calling uh, for the rest of the season. And the owner said, no, you're not. <laughs> so uh, Chenault is on the depth chart for the Jaguars behind Keenan Cole, Keelan Cole, and DJ Chark. And Bye-bye, um, D.D. Westbrook. Yeah. It was yeah. nice to know you. Yeah, he's not at all relevant at all. <laughs> So there are five players on this team with over 130 receiving yards already. Minshew does like to spread the ball around. So any changes in the depth chart are going to benefit Chenault because he'll move up a notch or two. He is a touchdown away from a good performance any week because he's getting touches. So just like Cole Beasley, get him on your bench. There's someone on your bench that's worse than LaVisca Chenault. Just because it's a weird name you haven't heard of before on the Jaguars doesn't mean he can't be relevant occasionally. Uh, so my favorite pickup this week at wide receiver, and this is a total dead giveaway for anyone who's listening live, who is in a league that I'm in, because I will put a claim on this guy in every league he's available, is T. Higgins. Tonight. In Cincinnati. And he's owned in a lot of leagues. Already. I imagine that it's certainly in the dynasty leagues I'm in, he's going to be owned. Yeah. And in any of the deeper leagues in him, he's going to be owned. We're talking about uh, uh, Tyler Boyd and AJ Brown, or sorry, AJ Green. Green, wrong color. <laughs> and and how uh, Joe Burrow is doing over there with the offense, and who he's throwing the ball to. And T. Higgins is going to be a star in this league, isn't he? I think so. I, I am in love with what I've seen from T. Higgins so far. He's so, in love with T. Higgins. He's a huge player, and as Dave knows, and he's he constantly gives me crap on. I really fall in love with the players on shitty teams. <laughs> and it happened once again with T Higgins. I didn't realize it all day when I'm looking up, doing research on T Higgins and really saying like, this guy is going to be great. He's going to be awesome in this league. <laughs> and I have Joe Burrow on a dynasty league. So I'm just going to be biased for the rest of the career of him. But, but you know, Burrow and Higgins can still be good, even though the team isn't correct. And mix in as well. It, it can happen and has happened in the past. So I'm with you on Higgins. So, he is six foot four. He runs faster than you would expect him to. He is an elite wide receiver talent. Uh, he's just starting to find his groove. I think that the Bengals, now that they have a win um, under their belt, they're going to play with a little more confidence, a little more swagger. They do have some really tough matchups coming up. I think they play the Ravens and, I don't know, probably the Steelers or someone like that uh, coming up soon. So Higgins leads his team in yards per reception. He's second in receiving yards, third in targets. That target share is going to grow with A.J. Green struggling, I believe, this week. This is off the top of my head. Higgins had 20% of the team's targets, and Green only had 15% of the team's targets. So that is going to go down. What is great about this so far is that um, Joe Burrow is throwing the shit out of the ball. He has the second most attempts in the league. He is just going to throw the ball all around the yard. Every single week. That means lots of chances of, for work for T. Higgins. I love this guy. I think he needs to be on your team. He His ownership percentage is kind of high in the number I quoted you because I feel like Flea Flicker is going to have more dynasty leagues than an ESPN or a Yahoo or an NFL. So don't be afraid. Go and look for T. Higgins. Don't assume that because it's 45% owned that he's owned in your league. The players you play with aren't that smart. So far, um, uh, A.J. Green has 33 targets and Boyd has 34 to T. Higgins 22. Yes. Uh, but you're right that he is... That's sort of early season depth. You're right that he's trending uh, average because it's 6, 9, and 7 in weeks 2, 3, and 4. Um, 
I, I think that all three wide receivers can have value on a team where Joe Burrow is getting better and Joe Mixon is a good running back. Joe Mixon just – if he's going to play like he played last week, it almost reminds me of the Vikings, which we'll get to in a few minutes, uh, where the opposing teams have to focus on that first. And that just makes things even better for your passing game, guys. But again, it, it's kind of like uh, – so you have to understand that if you have T. Higgins on your team, he could, it's like sort of a boomer bust WR3 that could do really well or not at all. Oh, yeah, all. he is not like a high-floor guy at any point in his you career. You may not want to start him, but he's, again, depth lineup for you on your team. And in Dynasty, is a great pickup. Oh, he's great to have in Dynasty. I don't know, I'm sure he's owned in Dynasty leagues, but maybe try to trade for him. I don't know. So catch rate maybe right now isn't the greatest time, but he could just get better and it'll be more expensive later. Yes, catch rate fifty five percent, whereas Boyd is at eighty two percent. AJ Green is at forty two percent. The reason why AJ Green has had lower targets is because he hasn't really had chemistry with Burrow. So what we're going to see is either a separation of Green having less and less, and Higgins having more, or uh, a Burrow working better with all of the wide receivers, and then a lot of boomer bust weeks from those two or three guys where we're looking at right now, the number one guy every week being Tyler Boyd. Sure. I think what we're going to see is Tyler Boyd staying on top and then T Higgins sort of filling in that AJ green role being the dominant number two. Wow. Well, I think that's a lot, but I, I do agree that T Higgins is valuable and is worth rostering. So it's a good waiver. Pick. And he's my favorite pickup this week. We'll see about next week. I thought you were into Schultz. And wide receiver. <laughs> no, obviously Tanyan would be the best pickup this week. But Higgins is 6'4", 216, and uh, he is no slouch. What you want is that guy who's exactly like that. Uh, he looks like a tight end on the field because he wears number 85. <laughs> and of, apparently, like, there's a handful of wide receivers left that wear the n- numbers in the 80s now. Almost everyone wears numbers in the teens at hmm. wide receiver. You know, I've never really been familiar with how the numbering system works. We should do a whole show on that. It's it's very it's, it's pretty weird because there's a, um, you don't have to follow it all the time. No, you kind of do. So linemen, like offensive linemen, have to have like numbers in the fifties and sixties. Uh, linebackers have to have numbers in the fifties and forties. Uh, defensive backs have numbers in the thirties and twenties. So there's some overlap in there. Like running backs also wear numbers in the twenties and the teens. Quarterbacks have like low numbers. Same with kickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensive linemen have the highest numbers around. So you you're never gonna find a running back wearing number ninety nine unless it's a guy who started out at the lineman. So I don't think it's like very strict. It's not like the NFL is gonna come to the team and say you have to change this player's number. Well, my point. But so, it's, so they don't really have to follow it. It's tradition. <laughs> you're right. They don't have to follow it because all the wide receivers change to numbers in the teens. Well. well I, I don't know enough about it. So I don't very... think that was a thing before 10 years ago. So if you don't have to follow then why do people follow it? It's very strange. I believe some of it has to be followed so that the refs can tell who is where. Who is supposed to be where, uh, what they need to look for. Is stuff like that. one of those things like like a, a certain percentage of players have to adhere to a rule while the other ones don't? Like, that's crazy stuff. This is a crazy... Okay, off the top of my head, my guess would be that the linemen have to wear the numbers... Uh, that you know in their in their range because there are refs that only watch the linemen for holding for false starts crap like that so like you said we could probably do a whole show on this. yeah yeah we don't have to get into but it we're going to continue the show on <laughs> scott miller but it's an interesting topic of the tampa bay buccaneers he is 29 percent owned i recommend an eight percent fav bid on him he is definitely trending up in several categories receptions targets fantasy points 
The Bucks keep running into injuries. There's going to be a lot of playing time for Scott Miller. Tom you got to call him Scotty. You got to call him Scotty. I feel like because he is not listed as Scotty everywhere, he may not be a fan of Scotty. Do you call him Mitch Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky? I, I actually was reading <laughs> a thing from last year, earlier today, when I was trying to think of what we should cover today. And it was like, well, the least I can do for Mitch Trubisky is call him Mitchell because that's what he wants to be called. But I believe that he softened on that and said, go ahead and call me Mitch. Yeah, Soft Mitch. That's his name. That is definitely what he is right about now. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing against he's playing against Limp Nick. <laughs> They're playing with Limp Nick. Limp Nick? Oh, that's a horrible nickname. Oh. Well, you know, when you have the other nickname, when you play bad, you're Limp Nick. Poor Limp Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so, on to uh, TB12. He threw five touchdowns last week to five different players. He's never done that in his career. Tom Brady is still Tom Brady occasionally. What can I say? So I, the, I hate the, the guy, but you have to recognize talent. The best quarterback ever to play the game? Fine. <laughs> he said fine. <laughs> All right. So, Miller's going to see plenty of targets because Chris Godwin is going to be out. Probably for this next week. Mike Evans seems to be nursing an injury, maybe a different injury every week, but at least one every single week. He's playing the old in-out, in-out. That's right. (laughs) So this week, I don't think that it's necessarily a great matchup for Scott Miller. However, Tom Brady is a co-owner of the Bears franchise. So perhaps it will work out in the Buccaneers' favor. If you're a person who likes to place wagers on a game in a state where it is legal to do so... I may recommend you placing money on the Buccaneers' side. That's a lot of qualifications there for that statement. I would never want to encourage illegal gambling, Dave. <laughs> I'm not saying call up your bookie who lives in Illinois. Hold on. Because it's now legal here. Before you tuned into this stream, did you guys all accept the terms and conditions? Because <laughs> there's, a, there's a long TOS that I need you all to accept. Oh, we got some uh, number, <laughs> we got some number uh, stuff here. Okay. So, uh, Troy, who, uh, OG member of Drink 5, thank you, Troy, for the help here. Players who wear number 50 through 79 are, by rule, this is crowd participation. prohibited from catching or touching forward passes if their team is in possession of the ball, may not line up in a position that allows them to. And I was reading this and thinking, but, next message, unless explicitly indicated to the referee during a tackle eligible play. Number 79 is eligible. You'll hear that, uh, especially more now. Yeah, they have they don't to make a... blare the crowd noise into the TV And they have no to make reason. like a, a symbol, uh, something to say that they're eligible. They have to go to them and they have to report. And then they have to line up in a position like uh, the the tight end position or the fullback position. Usually that's where they wind up Which is, up. did you see the other day? I forget what game it was, but one of them, they, like the whole team sort of guarded against them, the other team seeing who was lining up for eligibility. Oh, cool. It was really neat. So, so they but all don't they don't the refs announce the number? They they do, but it, they they don't have to do it like right away. So they the the team built like a wall, and then the guy came up and announced it to the ref, and then the ref like uh, kind of said it to the other team, but like they were already snapping. You know what I mean? Oh, that's <laughs> tricky. So they had no idea. It was was that Andy Reid's team? Maybe. Andy, <laughs> that Andy sounds Reed's, like something the Chiefs would do. Andy Reid's pretty good with like the old crazy football stuff. Yeah. That's great. Um, so thank you, Troy, for that insight into the numbers that uh, football players wear. Is that straight from the uh, like the, the rules of the NFL? I would imagine that 
This comes from Wikipedia. Unless explicitly all, all knowledge stems from Wikipedia now. <laughs> and you know what? I can live with that. For now. Let's you know, let, that's a different podcast for the off season. Until Wikipedia is sponsored by someone or owned by someone. Well, it is owned by someone. And it's sponsored by all of us because he asks us for money every year. All things are owned by someone. <laughs> that's very deep, Dave. I'm 13 and this is deep. This is for our politics podcast, which doesn't exist and will never exist. It will happen in one week, <laughs> in one month. One month from now, whenever. Oh, last year, or, or in 2016, we did the podcast on election night. Oh, yeah. And and we had the good discipline to not look up the results until after the show ended. You know, there are a bunch of old podcasts on Drink 5, so you can look them up if you're interested on a, a, a myriad topics. Uh, and and I, I really do... Uh, oh, there's... Dozens of podcasts that have nothing to do with football. Yeah, so we would appreciate it if, if, if anybody wanted to go in and check out some of those. Uh, the cool thing about those is that they are not really um, uh, time-sensitive in general. Some of them are more than others, like cryptocurrency, for example. But there's a lot of other stuff. like The any- drones. There's a lot of new stuff with drones. Yeah, so go check them but out But it's still want. interesting. And, and if you wanted to watch Daredevil or Better Call Saul or The Americans... <laughs> Uh, we did at least a season of all those shows, I but, think. But getting back to what works here. Uh, Tim it- Patrick <laughs> of Denver, 8% owned. Look at how, look at that transition. I'll give you a whiplash. Mr. Patrick. I recommend only a 3% bid on this. He's a deep league option, really. But um, he has all the signs you want when he when you, when you look for players to pick up on the waiver because you want the potential. You want the guy who's going to be good, and you want to get rid of the guy who is becoming bad. So he's trending up on a team that has an injury above him on the depth chart. Cortland Sutton is out for the time being. It's really tough to tell how long people are going to be out this year with injury, but I'm going to say it's going to be a while. So he has increased his receptions each of the last three weeks, along with his yardage and his fantasy points. He scored a touchdown each of the last two weeks. You've got Brett Rippon filling in, filling in at least for another week on the Broncos. And him and Patrick have a bit of a downfield rapport. Rippon does seem to want to throw the ball downfield. Whether or not he is any good at it is still up in the air, but he likes to throw the ball downfield. He did so a bunch against the Jets. Unfortunately for the Broncos, they're going to play New England next week. They're going to smother them on the pass defense. Patrick is not a good start next week. However, I like him as a bench stash. If you can't get any of the previously mentioned players, um, and wait till he has a few easier games to take a flyer on him. So that's all the wide receivers. We'll jump over to running backs. If you were at the podcast at 9 p.m., unlike us, then you saw a photo of Damien Harris running wild against the Chiefs last night. He is owned in 43% of leagues. I recommend a 15 to 18% bid on him because he was quite impressive on Monday evening football. He put up a perfect 10.0, meaning 10 points exactly, 100 yards on 17 carries, no targets in the passing game but that's a good average i think that that's enough to keep him in early down work for the patriots for the time being they have lost sony michelle to the ir that happened on monday afternoon if i remember correctly so here's the thing when you start running backs for the patriots you are going to go gray you are going to pull your hair out (laughs) you are going to bash your head against the wall you're going to curse bill belichick's name but you are not going to drop these guys because there is value there. So, here's what you need to expect. Damian Harris is going to get early down work. James White is going to get all of the third down work. 100% of it. 
However, James White was the best running back on the team last night, even with Damian Harris running well, because White was getting first downs. White was making plays when they needed them. He still only saw the field on third down. So you can count on early down work going to someone other than James White. James White getting all of the third down work. It's going to be a lot of Damian Harris. We're going to sprinkle in a little bit of the Rex Burkhead. That's what I expect going forward. So you're going to have games where Rex Burkhead is the guy who scores two touchdowns and Damian Harris gets 80 yards and you're yelling at the TV and you're cursing Bill Belichick and you're ripping off your sleeves because you don't understand what's going on. You're ripping off your sleeves <laughs> and you're putting on a, a weird bird mask. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> because you're sick and it's the year 1702. <laughs> so anyways, Bill Belichick is just so much. Fun. That being said, Damien <laughs> Harris is a guy with a decent floor and a high ceiling because he may be the guy to get 120 yards and two touchdowns. That's going to happen for him this season. You want to be on the right side of that. So if you need help at, Running back because you're missing Christian McCaffrey still because you've lost any number of other running backs that are out because Aaron Jones is on bye this week, then Damien Harris, not such a bad option. So I was I was just talking to uh, uh, one of our listeners earlier. This is um, uh, David uh, from from Twitter, and he's been a listener for a while too. And uh, and I and I I mentioned that. Harris was a good option, maybe the top option this week as far as running backs are concerned. And he said even White getting all the receiving and the Belichick factor, uh, he could get two carries this week. And I said, yep, he could. <laughs> like, th- I mean, that's that's what you're dealing with here. It's in, There's a couple other teams that are similar, and I think you put it well. So um, you, you just have to accept the risk factor and understand that your guy could get 100 or two. Look, there's... You can even you even have to consider when Cam comes back, okay? Cam Newton is the goal line back on that team, so he's going to get some of those carries. But Damian Harris is probably already going to give some of those up to Rex Burkhead, so perhaps it's not going to bite into or vulture as many touchdowns as you think because they were vultured already. Yeah, well let's uh, let's fill up our shot glasses uh, for for another shot for Vince. Okay, and uh, uh, move on to the next player. It is Vince's birthday. Happy birthday, Vince. Is that all of them, or you still got some more guys to go over here? Oh, there are several more guys to go over. Justin Jackson, I'll try to speed these up a little bit. Of the L.A. Chargers, he is 22% owned. Um, I recommend a 10 to 12% bid on him. So he didn't produce a whole lot on the limited work that he had, but he's been able to produce in the past when he's given the opportunity. Last year, he um, had a decent yards per carry. Uh, 6.9 the year before his rookie season, he showed that he was effective in the passing game. Here's a couple reasons why I like Jackson. First of all, Eckler's out. That's uh, sort of a prerequisite here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about him at all. I think that Kelly is going to see the biggest boost at first. However, Kelly has lost a fumble in each of the last two weeks. Yeah, so So, it's it's questionable. He, He could take control of the backfield, or he could just fall into nothingness. If he gives up another fumble, you could see Jackson for the rest of the game. Well, what coach who wants his job is going to allow a running back to just fumble over and over? They're n- none of them. Uh, especially a coach that just gave up a 24-7 to lead. Yeah, so Joshua Kelly has a chance, but Jackson's going to be involved. Exactly. They have shown in, not in, but on the Chargers, that they are going to use two running backs pretty much no matter what. Uh-huh. Jackson is going to be well in that uh, rotation, and he can see a much larger share of that rotation if Kelly stumbles at all. 
So if you've got Kelly, if you've already picked him up, he is owned in too many leagues to make him a waiver pickup. But if he's available, grab him over Justin Jackson. Uh, Dearness Johnson of Cleveland is only 2% owned. I recommend a 13 to 15% bump in him, and this is why. With Nick Chubb headed to the IR, I think that Dearness Johnson is going to fill the Nick Chubb role. I think that he's going to be the guy to get the like early down work, the early game work, and be given the opportunity to play a lot, whereas they're going to keep Kareem Hunt in the same role that they have him in right now. I don't think that they're going to shift Kareem Hunt to Nick Chubb's role because the what Kareem Hunt is doing for them is very good. It's working well, and I think that they can slide Dearness Johnson into the Nick Chubb role. So you're going to see both guys get plenty of work, but it's going to be Kareem Hunt still in the uh, third down situations, in the hurry up situations, in the late in the half situations. And I think you're going to see Dearness Johnson because he had only 13 carries, but 95 yards. So he's just a good, like plain old runner of the ball. Yeah, but they're, they're still going to trust Kareem Hunt more than Johnson. Uh, because It's true. Kareem Hunt is a guy with a pedigree and Dearness Johnson is an undrafted free agent. Yeah. So, uh, but, but I think you're going to see more than. But you Cleveland think. runs the ball a lot. They really do. So you will they get. Be, they you'll are, get your ten plus uh, touches from Johnson. They are the best running team in the league. That's what they you're run saying. the ball the most. Sorry, they run the ball the second most. They get the most out of it because they have the most yardage. They have the most rushing touchdowns. Uh, owning their second RB is a must-have. You have to have that guy on a team. Yeah. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. Thankfully, my dynasty first-round pick has come through to be at all relevant in a tiny way. So that's just a, a personal... You know, I'm not salty at all, as I've said earlier tonight. So on Tampa Bay, he is 41% owned. That number is high because of dynasty leagues. FAB value that I put on him is 5 to 8% this week. So he had a tough start to his rookie campaign. He had an injury in the preseason. He tested positive for COVID in the preseason. He... Basically didn't have a training camp with the Buccaneers. Now that Leonard Fournette and, as of the game last week, LaShawn McCoy are sidelined with injuries, there's more room for Vaughn to show off. Um, I believe that one of the like third-string running backs just went out, uh, suspended for performance-enhancing drugs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if the health situation does not change, then Vaughn is the number two guy there behind Ronald Jones. And I think that... Um, it's important to see that he is connecting with Tom Brady for a touchdown in the passing game, that Tom Brady wants to throw it to him. If Tom Brady likes this guy, then Tom Brady is going to get this guy in the lineup. It is going to happen, and Vaughn might be his guy. So put him in as a bench stash. You're not starting him yet. But this week, as I said earlier, in an emergency situation, you may want to go ahead and start him. The Bucks are playing, as we said, the Bears on Thursday night, and Tom Brady owns the freaking Bears. So, if in a, an emergency, if you really, really have nobody to start, then Keyshawn Vaughn isn't the worst option. If you're a better and you like the player yardage props, take a look at what they're giving to Keyshawn Vaughn. I especially like any sort of receptions over four. Uh, anything over about 20 or 25 receiving yards, I think both of those are going to hit this week. So I don't, I don't know what their lines are. Um, I'm not going to spend the time logging into FanDuel at the moment because it takes too long. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if you got pray, if you like the player prop lines, take a look at those. 
At quarterback, you got Teddy Bridgewater. He is 42% owned. FAB value, 5%. He is legitimately trending up over the last three weeks. He's played very well. Now, in week five, he gets to face the Falcons, who have essentially surrendered 30 fantasy points to the quarterback position of their opponent every week. I have to make those qualifiers because it's like, well, Aaron Rodgers scored like 29.88 points. And uh, in week three, Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles combined for 30 points. But other than that, they've given up 30 points a week to the quarterback. Every week. So, Teddy Bridgewater, perfect position to have a great week. If you have Aaron Rodgers and you are a smart person who doesn't keep a backup quarterback on their team, Teddy Bridgewater is your guy. There you go. Uh, I think that... um, Week six will be rough, but then he has another good matchup in week seven against the Saints. They give him like the fourth or fifth most points to opposing quarterbacks. And by that time, they'll have Christian McCaffrey. You put the words right in my mouth. Choo, choo, choo. So, um, Kirk Cousins of Minnesota, he is 64% owned. I only bring him up because of his awesome matchups coming up. Not only is he starting to gel with Justin Jefferson, but he's loving Adam Thielen. The running game is working very well. They have to focus on the running game first in Minnesota. And Kirk Cousins gets to play Atlanta and Seattle. Seattle and then Atlanta, to be specific. The number two and number one teams in terms of giving up fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So, how can you get more of a tempting matchup than that? Um, If Kirk Cousins is still available in your league, a 67% bid is what I would recommend. Perhaps if you have to start him this week, go as high as 10%. Remember... If you're just taking flyers on these guys, I would go with my recommended values. If you need these players, I would go a little bit higher. Make sure you go to drink5.com. You can see everything I have to say about all these guys. You can also see where Dave ranks them in our weekly rankings. Uh, there's other such things uh, to check out. Other such things. Such as? I'm, I'm totally into other such things. So uh, Jason has a column every week, which I really enjoy. And that column is called what? Statistically Insignificant. That's great. I like to find crazy stats. And we have a column from uh, Sean Foss, who's available uh, on Twitter. uh, And and he always has uh, such great things to say about rookies. Also horrible things. It depends on how the rookies are doing, really, right? It's the rookie report. And every single week, he goes through every single rookie who's viable in any way in fantasy, whether that be uh, to start, uh, to sit, on your bench, on the wire, or even those to start in DFS situations that are extreme, uh, trying to make money off of gambling sites like FanDuel or DraftKings. Uh, we also have Tad Bukowski, who has just recently won our Dynasty League. Congratulations, Tad, if you're watching. And he does a confidence pool uh, kind of a column every single week. We have other contributors Not as well. Not kind of, exactly a confidence pool column. Exactly a confidence pool. <laughs> Sean Foss, uh, frequent contributor, especially in the offseason. He does a rookie report. Just just mention Sean. Well, I was talking to tr- Matt. Yes, that's that's fine. There there are there are there are, there's an audience to satisfy here, Dave. Yeah, that's great. It's fantastic. So we're gonna uh, do a little shot to, for Vince, and Vince again was a contributor and and will be in the future to Drink Five and a guest on the podcast. Uh, so we'll have him on here uh, later this year. Yeah. Uh, so cheers to Vince for your birthday, man. Happy birthday, Vince! In our dynasty league, one of them. Uh, this is the very same that we just brought up. I've been thinking about uh, starting some kind of a league uh, next year. If we're talking about our dynasty league, we're talking about the same league. Yes. 
There's only one art. There's actually. only one that we co-commissioned. Right. Uh, which I, I recommend co-commissioning if you can get along with 100%. Someone. I'm the commissioner of a bunch of leagues. This is my favorite one because I don't have to do all the work. <laughs> it's fucking great. Yeah, you split it up, you know. But you have to get along with the other person. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah. You have to be able to sit down during the off season for three consecutive Wednesday nights and talk the entire time about what could happen because of COVID. That's and right. Then, and then come up with a laundry list of things that have nothing to do with what actually happens. You have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, cheers. Cheers again, Vince. Uh, was that all of the waiver wire picks? That's all of them. So I got to say, great article, well-researched. It's available on drink5.com if you guys want to just read one of those again and see exactly what Jason is thinking. I back up uh, the vast majority of what he's thinking. Of course, I can't uh, get behind every single thing, but nobody can, right? That's if, one- you're gonna, if you're going to part with me on some of this, I would guess that you are not agreeing with LaVisca Chenault. Um, and perhaps a, my take on Dearness Johnson. I don't want to get into that. I think everyone that you picked is is a good enough player to pick up as a speculative pick at the very least. Everyone I mentioned is better than someone on your lineup. That's not necessarily true. So okay, I okay. Some people are in a league where they have an amazing team. Well, I think what we have to look at is uh, the vast uh, variety of people that might come and listen to to our podcast and come to our site. So you might have a 10-team league where you only have 15 players on the roster total. And in that case, uh, I can see a situation where no one that you mention is better than they, what they have on their on their roster. But that's not, I think, the majority of the people like you guys that really come in and see uh, uh, our website and, and seek out these articles uh, you're here for a different reason, right? You're here because you're in a 12-team league. You're in a, a competitive 10-team dynasty with 26 different positions uh, available. You know, it's 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 difficult. I'm here for the beer. He's here for the beer. Yeah. Let's move on. So uh, we, I would love to do podcasts just on one singular subject. It would be awesome. Uh, maybe we can get to that a little bit later this year. But let's move on to uh, Fantasy Fool's Gold. And I have in the past uh, included three, four, five players. This particular week, I'm just going to focus on one because we don't have a lot of time. Uh, okay. Jason has been very verbose on the waiver, and I thought it was awesome. What did you guys think? Let us I had know. a lot to say. Let us know in the comments or email Jason at drink5.com. And, and let him know after you played those guys that you picked up if he did a good job. Uh, or or a bad job. I want I want you to get an email that's like you've you've, <laughs> you've you've ruined my fantasy year. Well, you get one that says you you made me win a tough matchup, and one that says I hate you. I needed I needed that money. If hey, if I get both of those emails, <laughs> then I'll be pretty even. They cancel each other out. Yeah, they totally cancel each other out. So my fantasy fool's gold is Todd Gurley, running back Atlanta. Again, shout out to Vince. Birthday, Vince. Uh, in week four, Gurley really stepped it up two touchdowns against the Packers. But his stats, they're still down in the dumps, right? So far this year, he's rushed for 254 yards. That's 63.5 per game. Todd Gurley, 63 yards per That's game. So good. And it's only the touchdowns that are keeping him up in that sort of RB2 position, carrying fantasy points to allow for a start on fantasy rosters. Because if you had a guy that would occasionally score a touchdown but only have 60 yards, you would not start him except for maybe a flex position. Uh, that is where Todd Gurley really exists. The, why, why are they not throwing him the ball? <laughs> 
Well, they have Brian Hill and they have Ido Smith, and they tend to, to throw Brian Hill the ball. But he has nine receiving yards on the season. Look, like I, Todd Gurley, when he was on the Rams, could catch the ball just fine. Do you know the reason? Do you remember back on the Rams, Todd Gurley had some issues with arthritis of the of the knee and and some other things like that. He has had, I believe, the stat was watching the game last night, uh, more carries or touches than anyone else that has been in the league at his position for as Since long as he, he has. Since he started. And he has simply been overworked. In and his five-year career, he has 1,552 carries, which is an average. Uh, of course, this is his sixth season of uh, over 300 per year. Right. So Atlanta is just uh, working him uh, as much as they can, but they're cooling him off with a little bit of Brian Hill and Ido Smith during the games. And I just don't see a reality where Todd Gurley is out there long enough and for as many plays as required to be a running back 1 or 1.5, which I just made up. Uh, I think he's going to be an RB2 touchdown dependent, but what he really is is a flex play now. Uh, and so fantasy fools gold Todd Gurley. What I think anyone that has Todd Gurley should do is sell, sell, sell. And you're not just pandering to the birthday boy because we had this conversation last night. I am not. All right. So your thoughts on that, and we'll move to the cut list. I oh man, uh, look, I am a little bit biased because he won me a couple of fantasy leagues. Oh, that's awesome. Do you have it on multiple leagues? You have Todd Gurley? Not this year. Oh, I see. But in previous seasons, like in 2017, 2018. Oh, well, then you should do the long when goodbye. he was doing awesome. Like the princess goodbye. And, like, and Todd Gurley, uh, goodbye. It's hard to tell, like, which <laughs> running backs are going to work for four years, which are going to work for six or eight years, and which are going to work for ten years. You can't you can't determine a Frank Gore. Like, it's impossible. It seems like Todd Gurley is only going to be the guy who works for four or five years. Yeah. So perhaps the Rams got rid of him at the right time. They, they, they gave him a contract, but they decided, nope, we're getting rid of him. Hey, but he's still scoring a ton of touchdowns. The point is, he's I don't always think, scored a lot of touchdowns. It's not sustainable. I don't know. Last year, he had 223 carries. He is on track for more than that. He had 12 touchdowns last year, rushing another two receiving. So unless they're going to throw him the ball more, then I agree. He's really taken a hit to his fantasy value. Yep, because he's not he's not doing like half of what he used to do. He has 222 receptions in his career. Uh, 200, only four of them have come on the Falcons. Like, he needs more than one catch per game. They're not going to throw him the ball. You know, in 60 games, he had four catches a game, and now they're giving him one a game. But we talk about trends, man. Like, it's not happening. It wasn't happening. It isn't happening. Not happening. No, I understand. But I, I think it might turn around. <laughs> okay, so sell Gurley to Said Jason. To <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. I'll buy him low. I'm fine with that. Sell, sell, sell. I, I wouldn't be buy, buy, against buy. buying low. You can't buy low. He just scored two touchdowns. Uh, well, I'm not going to offer a lot for him. <laughs> we're literally connecting here. This is uh, We're connecting Vince and Jason together. Let's, let's... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let me move on to the cut All right, list. Tell us who to cut this year. This so, we did have a cut list question in the chat. Let's see if you hit the guy. I'll, uh, I'll ask you if you pass him by. I'm not going to hit that guy. We I can, didn't think you would. We can talk about him right now. But he might be want. on the bubble. All right, we'll talk about when we get to running backs. Okay. So, unless you want to go reverse like we did on yours. No, that would really freak me out. <laughs> okay. So, so let's start with uh, my, my cuts. Quarterbacks. We're going to start with Carson Wentz. And I... Wasn't he a cut last week? 
No, he wasn't. Oh. Uh, last week well, he was. Been. Let me see if I still have it up. <laughs> oh, I can get last week's. Cut I'm pretty time. sure Carson Wentz was like a, a maybe coming back next week kind of guy. You know. Oh, interesting. Uh, look, oh, look at that. I do have your notes. Sorry, continue. <laughs> so, so Carson Wentz is averaging more interceptions than touchdowns per game this year. And the, oh, it sounds like he plays for one of the New York teams. <laughs> and and there's no way that he does any better against Pittsburgh and Baltimore, which are his next two matchups. So the answer is, if you have Carson Wentz on your team, <laughs> you can't sell him. You have to just drop him, cut your losses, pick another quarterback, get out of there, period. Jason, thoughts? He was on your list last week. Well, he's on the list this week, too. Along with Drew Brees and Daniel Jones, cut them all. Daniel That's fine. Jones. I, I, I agreed with you last week. I agree with you this week. You sure that wasn't cut week three? Carson Wentz. Was it week three? This is Here's my notes. And I'm pretty sure that this was a this was week four's podcast. All right. Well, then I I agree oh, with it myself. Is week three. What the fuck? But this is from September 23rd. Well, I mean, you told him to cut him. You told us to cut him two weeks ago. Is that better or worse? <laughs> Cheers. Oh, last week was DOS notes. Our, our emails are very easy to decipher. Clearly, who who else are we cutting at quarterback? And Baker Mayfield, who? Mm. What? Sorry. Do you Continue. like Baker? You just elicited a reaction from me, that's all. Oh, he loves the Browns. I, I love Baker uh, Mayfield's commercials. Baker Mayfield is a great guy on commercials. <laughs> Horrible football player. Oh, Christ. So, uh, he averages 182.25 passing yards and 1.75 touchdowns on the year. 14.17 fantasy points per game. It's because they run the shit out of the ball. Yeah, so don't play Baker Mayfield. No, don't play him. Ever. No. Like, he might throw the ball to Odell Beckham. He might have a good game, but the odds are that he won't. He's going to throw the ball to Odell a lot. It doesn't matter. He's not going to be as good as the top other 12 quarterbacks. The two quarterbacks that I mentioned in waiver picks are way (laughs) better than these two. So, do you disagree with that then? It it hurts you a little bit, but you're like, Baker, Baker, goodbye. All I said is you elicited a response. I didn't say that you were wrong. I feel like based on how the Eagles are doing this year, you're soon to be an Eagles fan. Oh, God, I really don't want that. <laughs> At least all the like bad teams that I'm a fan of are small market teams. You're not going to catch me being a Jets fan anytime soon. Oh, no. It's like the Jaguars and the Bills a while back. Oh, my and, God. And, like, the fucking Browns last year. Well, here we are. So so those two guys, I, I really don't think that they are worth rostering uh, anymore. And I understand why someone would. Carson Wentz. Uh, certainly from years past, and and Baker Mayfield, what a, what a good uh, um, you know a, a draft spot that he had, and such good players on his team. They just run, just like Jason said. That's so, all they do. Running back, and they're really good at it, so they're going to keep doing it. I'm looking at Jeff Wilson. So Jeff Wilson, love Jeff Wilson. I, I recommended him to you, and you started him two touchdowns uh, two two weeks ago. Yeah, but then last week, not two touchdowns because. Uh, they get Mostert back probably next week. We're not sure. But they still have McKinnon, who they're going to use the heck out of. Yeah. And he's starting to be that guy again that he was when they actually wanted him to be that guy. Uh, and, and Jeff Wilson, who is is a really good sort of uh, back-of-the-line guy who will steal some, some touchdowns, is not going to get those opportunities when they have multiple people in front of him in line. I think Wilson came in last week because – McKinnon had to leave for a few series, and he uh, just happened to get the touchdowns. And it's not like with C.J. Beathard or Nick Mullins that they're going to be driving down the field all day long. Yeah. So. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, 
uh, he's on the Baltimore Ravens. So th- this rookie uh, should he's just a rookie. He's not a rookie. He's a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> Has had 22 touches through four games, and the problem is the the Ravens were trying to like shuffle around and figure out who it was that, that was actually their lead back. Uh, and right now, it really looks like Mark Ingram is that guy based on how they're doing when they perform well. But uh, you can still have him on your team. If you do, you just won't perform very well. You won't get a lot of fantasy points from J.K. Dobbins because he has had 36 yards from scrimmage per game. So do you want to start him? Go ahead. I would love to play against you. <laughs> I just think that J.K. Dobbins in a redraft league does not belong on the on the roster of a, a team that wins the, the fantasy championship. There is not enough offense on the Baltimore Ravens this year to support J.K. Dobbins. Yep. Unless he takes the place of Mark Ingram. But it's not happening right now. And that's Exactly, it's not happening. So it, 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 Just it, like Marquise Brown, set him aside. The only guys who you're really interested in are Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And Ingram. I, I've got Zach Moss as a cut, Buffalo Bills. Um, it, it looks like, again... That's uh, the truth, Dave. <laughs> no, the truth is... No, Devin, the truth is that you should cut Jack Devin Moss Singletary. Because of the truth. Who has been awesome. And there is no reason why he will not be continued to be played by B- Buffalo Bills. He's on pace right now for 1,300 yards. 1,300 yards if he continues his He's quietly one of the best players because I was unaware that he was doing very good. Oh, my God. If you look at Devin Singletary right now, it, it, like look up how, how much is he rostered on uh, Flea Flicker League. Are you talking yards from scrimmage? Uh, he got 326 through four games. I'm, I'm not 1300 sure. 1,300 yards is, would be the pace. Can you look up uh, the, the Devin Singletary rostered? Yeah, I'm just curious how many people own him in Flea Flicker Leagues. I'll move on to the next guy. He is owned in ninety two percent of leagues. Yeah, so so including my drink five team. <laughs> do you have him? I do. Last game, sixteen point eleven points, averaging eleven point seven on the season. Did you start him? I started Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor because I am rookie heavy on this team. Jonathan Taylor I'm rookie drunk on this team. Jonathan Taylor is just rough because uh, I'm gonna talk about Naheem Hines right now, who is a cut. Look at that transition. <laughs> Um, he rushed nine times for 24 yards in week four over the Bears, and he had three catches for eight yards. So Naheem Hines, yeah, he's involved, but he's not involved enough to be uh, to be fantasy relevant on your team that is, is trying to win the championship. And Jonathan Taylor, he had 17 carries. Hines had nine. So... But how many carries did that other guy have that kept pissing me off? The other guy. The other guy. You're talking about uh, uh, Jordan Wilkins. Yes. And remember, Jordan Wilkins was a rookie the same year as Naheem Hines was. And uh, the funniest news from, from Roto World uh, back in June of this year was that Jordan Wilkins might not even make the team. But he's had nine rushes he over the nine past... nine carries as well. ...the past three weeks. So he's obviously uh, right there in the shuffle... Uh, along with all of them, which means that the Indianapolis Colts have decided that they are the New England Patriots, and they are going to screw your running back selection on your fantasy team every single week. And I was saying such nice things about the Indianapolis Colts all preseason. (laughs) (sighs) All right, let's move on. Look, as long as Jonathan Taylor gets 50% of the carries, the other two guys split the other 25, (laughs) you can still start Jonathan Taylor, I guess. So... Uh, so let's just touch on the guy at running back who we're not cutting yet is Leonard Fournette, who was brought up in the chat room. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am not cutting yet, and, and what's the reason why you won't cut him yet? Just because it's not the time yet. Because you drafted him in the first round. Well, I drafted him in the third round <laughs> in a 12-team league. No, it was the fourth round, probably. I was at the end of that. Anyways, that's not important. The point is that he's hurt right now. When he comes back, he will still be the lead back until he is usurped by either Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn. That may not happen right away. It seems like they acquired him because they like what he does. And he has shown some good flashes this year on the Bucks. I wouldn't drop him just yet. I would say he this. You have to be in a really short league to drop him. If Fournette ends up on the IR or, or something like that, then there's no reason to have him on your team. But currently, when he can come back next week or the week after and take over all those carries, there is a reason to have him because, uh, uh, because Tampa Bay has a great offense. And whoever yeah. it is that's going to be the running back, or even if it's shared between two people, they have a possibility of having touchdowns and uh, a lot of touches. So, Yeah, nowadays, like anybody who doesn't go on the IR is going to be back in just a couple weeks. Or they're an important enough name to go ahead and let them sit on the uh, team for four weeks. Yeah. Who else uh, you got? So Brandon Cooks, we're talking about wide receivers now. So there are there are um, there are a lot of wide receivers in uh, Houston, and I'm going to sort of hold uh, for a little bit what what my interpretation of the Houston Texans fantasy offense will be going forward until I see what happens after Bill O'Brien is is now gone as the GM and head coach. Bye bye. I think they'll do a little bit better. I feel like teams tend to do better after that, but we'll see. The point is that he just simply uh, he, he put up a zero. He has three weeks of 25 or fewer yards, and we're not really sure what's going on. Deshaun Watson is still looking like an okay quarterback, but it, they just look like they don't know what they're doing out there. Totally concur with dropping Brandon Cooks. I didn't like him going into the season. I don't see what role he's going to fill there. But your opinion about him based on uh, concussions, etc., doesn't really uh, um, that that is is not uh, uh, relevant here. It's it's just about is it though? Uh, it, no, it's just about how are they using anyone because they have no offense that makes any sense. Sure. The, Dropping Brandon Cooks has almost nothing to do with Brandon Cooks, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> but, okay, Will Fuller is the guy who's going to score points on that offense without DeAndre Hopkins in it. You know what? We don't know what's going to happen once someone else is calling the I plays. still know Will Fuller and Deshaun Although, Watson are going to score points. I mentioned earlier that uh, Bill O'Brien wanted to take over the play calling, and I believe Romeo Cornell, the defensive coordinator, is taking over the team. Generally speaking, they don't just swap out all of the assistant coaches. Perhaps it'll be the same offensive coordinator still, which is not good, which means not much is going to change. Nah, we'll see. But, but I mean... Or maybe the offensive coordinator wasn't allowed to do some of the things he wanted to do, and now he will. Being that uh, Bill O'Brien was both the GM and the coach makes me think he had the stranglehold on the team in general, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yep, that's just going to ring. Sorry, everybody. If you're watching the show and calling me, then I'll answer it later. It's going to ring. I don't know where my phone is. <laughs> I put it on silent, and I moved it away, and it's still ringing. What? I apologize for the inconvenience. Let's go on to AJ We Green. can probably hear it more than anyone else can. You're, I'm sure that's right. <laughs> Everyone probably could not hear that at all. 
And Jason's phone is ringing, everyone. Just so you yeah, know. that was my phone ringing after I put it on silent. That's the fun stuff about live uh, broadcasts is that our phones can ring. It's in his backpack. Uh, so uh, basically, <laughs> AJ Green has had 14 catches for 119 yards. Now Tyler Boyd has been really good, and we just talked about T. Higgins yes. earlier. Yes. And those two guys have been doing well with Joe Burrow. I don't really think that Joe Burrow can sustain three fantasy football wide receivers. He does throw the ball enough, but A.J. Green is not going to be one of them. Well, I, I don't know if you can decide that right now because he didn't play at all last Look, year. it's not up to me. <laughs> of course but... it's not. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying that, of course, people can change throughout the year. But right now, I'm not putting A.J. Green in my starting lineups. I don't think that's a smart decision until he shows that he can be a guy again uh, that uh, that is going to get uh, uh, five, six targets per game for actual yards that, that give us points. I get behind dropping A.J. Green. So he's on my cut list. And, and that's all there is to it. Uh, Anthony Miller, which is a tough one for a lot of people, especially in the area that I am since I live in Chicagoland. Uh, Anthony Miller, uh, he has uh, 33.3 yards per game. Get rid of him. Bye. Woo! Uh, Darius Slayton. I am Daniel Jones as a quarterback. I am not a, said. I am not a fan of Darius Slayton. I have never been. But he is such a boom and bust person. He recently had this crazy game that was... Uh, Week one, I think he had two touchdowns, right? Uh, uh, six for 102 and two. And I believe Daniel Jones only has three touchdowns on the year. I, I mean, <laughs> the Giants are just horrible, and that's really the number one reason. It's not, it's not about Darius Slayton as much as it is about Daniel Jones and the Giants offense, who doesn't have, uh, who, who don't have, rather, um, Saquon Barkley. I'm and glad that you can uh, identify the correct grammar on the fly. after all these drinks. <laughs> so I talked about in my column on Monday, the statistically insignificant, uh, about how bad the teams of the Meadowlands are. That feels that feels significant. MetLife Stadium. They are 0-8 this year. <laughs> the New York Guardians are the last team to win there. They play for the XFL. That's not a team. That league isn't even a league anymore. The XFL doesn't exist. I think that the New York Guardians might be the next team to win in the Meadowlands. Yeah. Uh, MetLife Stadium. Pardon me. Gotcha. Anyways, they only have eight touchdowns between them. It's just it's insanely terrible. Yeah. They have nine interceptions between them, though. Well, I have I have one more guy to talk about that's a tight end. Uh, Logan Thomas is the guy that I'm talking about who is so, so heralded and hyped. And we talked to him. Uh, about him multiple weeks about how he was not that interesting uh, on Washington. Uh, he did well, but has had a, a clear trend down uh, to targets that were eight, nine, seven, and four uh, yardage. That was 37, 26, 31, and eight and touchdowns. He scored one in week one and then zero. Oh, afterwards. I can smell the stats from here. So uh, Logan Thomas, who used to be a quarterback and was converted to a tight end for the Washington Redskins, Washington has so many problems. You do not need to involve yourself with this one and just get rid of it. I, I mean, does he have like a high ownership percentage? 
I'll be terrified to find out if he does. He did. Week two was a huge waiver wire pickup. And because he still had four receptions and four receptions in week two and three, that was high. He is the 35th most added player in the last three days. But week four is... What is wrong with people? Week four... Well, that's because of this week. Week four, he uh, only had one reception for eight yards and four targets, was unable to catch the things that he was thrown. Uh, it It was rough for him. Cut Logan Thomas. So get rid of him. I said that last week. Off air. Aha. Ah. Yeah. And uh and that's it for us uh I think for uh for tight end, wide receiver, running back, uh quarterback for the cut list. And yeah, uh everybody, thank you for joining us. Thanks for people who listen live uh and participated in the chat. That's always uh encouraged and welcome. And we thank you for that. Thank you for giving us questions. If you have any questions you want to send us during the week, tweet us at drink5. Send an email to jason at drink5.com or dave at drink5.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram page that you can follow. I have no idea how to find that. I've never been on Instagram in my life. This guy. But I'm told it's a thing. And well, it can be occasionally meme I would love to. I would love to, to educate him on how social media works, but he's afraid of it. I am terrified. <laughs> Anyway, just look for Drink 5 wherever you are, D-R-I-N-K-F-I-V-E, and you'll find us. And and we love you guys. Good night. Good night, everybody. Happy birthday, Vince. Happy birthday, Vince.